Welcome to Strictly Business, Variety's weekly podcast featuring conversations with industry leaders about the business of entertainment. I'm Cynthia Littleton, business editor of Variety. Today, my guest in New York is Peter Bittenbender, CEO of Mass Appeal. Mass Appeal is a content-centered company that is active in TV and film production, music, creative advertising, and branding. The company is enjoying a burst of attention right now thanks to Of Mikes and Men, the four-part Showtime documentary series that tells the story of hip-hop's legendary Wu-Tang Clan. Here, Bittenbender discusses how Mass Appeal plans to build on the momentum for the company that he relaunched in 2013 in partnership with rapper Nas and director Sasha Jenkins. Bittenbender is candid about how Mass Appeal intends to avoid the problems faced by similarly situated companies such as Vice Media. Peter Bittenbender, CEO of Mass Appeal. Thank you so much for dropping by. Thank you for having me. Mass Appeal, I have seen it described as a platform for radical creatives. Tell me, how does a platform for radical creatives make money in today's media landscape? Uh, diversification, I think, is a big point of what separates us and makes us a sort of unique company. Um, you know, we look at Mass Appeal as like an engine, and then creatives can plug into it. So whether you're a music artist, a film filmmaker, uh, a journalist, you know, a graphic designer, whatever, we are sort of a place where you can come in and then we can help you realize your dreams. So the goal is, you know, if we're doing a lot of different things at once through our business, you know, hopefully many of them, but if not a few of them are making money and that's covering sort of the things that are the passion projects for the business. So you have kind of an incubator model where you have relationships with a lot of creative people and kind of give them the tools and the platform and then as things develop, then you partner with them to shape them a little bit more for the for the content marketplace. Is that would that yeah, be? Yeah, I mean, we have our stable of talent that is like our home home team, the family of, of Mass Appeal. Obviously, Sasha Jenkins, who directed the Wu Tang series and many of other other sort of high profile projects. He's the the marquee sort of name that people are most familiar with. And then under under Sasha, we have a bunch of you know Sasha proteges or people that we are grooming through. Um, smaller projects, but that we see having a ton of potential. And that's, you know, that's a handful of people, less than 10 that are sort of like mass appeal, live and breathe it every day that are not staff, but like creative directors. Um, And then we bring in, you know, people for the right jobs that are sort of our extended family members. Um, So whether we're doing a soundtrack for a movie, not every artist on our label is necessarily going to fill every slot. So we'll have you know, half of our team maybe produce music and then bring in, you know, whoever else we think might be might be right for the project. And mass appeal, in addition to, in addition to you know, video content, film and film and video, doing creative advertising, branded work. You also have a music label. You have a partnership with Universal Music Group. Yeah. So mass appeal has four sort of business units. Um, the thing that people know mass appeal most for was a magazine. If you sort of follow the history of Mass Appeal. I don't know if the Variety listeners maybe, uh, maybe know the whole history. Um, but today, Mass Appeal sort of works in these four different areas that all synergistically can come together on something big like a Wu-Tang or can kind of work as a siloed different business unit. Uh, content arm. So the content arm is producing really premium level uh, film and television projects. So Wu-Tang being the most recent of them. But then we've done, you know, films like Fresh Dressed. We just finished Futures documentary with Apple Music. 
we did a big series with Netflix called Rapture. We've had, you know, a handful of things, whether they're, they've all been non-scripted, you know, for the moment we're starting to get into the scripted space. Mm -hmm. So that's the content bucket. The record label is a non-traditional label in the fact that like we have artists, we do very artist friendly deals. Nas obviously being the, the helm of the label is a great, you know, sort of beacon for, uh, for the artists that we work with. Then we also work with a lot of brands, helping them solve their music needs. So whether it's a soundtrack for a movie or we just did a big program for one of Unilever's, Unilever's brands who wanted to do something really impactful in hip-hop with music for one of their um, products. So the label, unlike a lot of major labels or you know whatnot, we have our artists, but then we're also sort of having this music agency model where brands can come to us and we pick you know, three to probably five different brand projects a year that we can do either original music or we can do consulting or strategy work on. Um, then we have the creative department, which uh, you brought up, which is more of a traditional agency. Uh, creative work, advertising. Creative advertising, Marketing. yeah. So that is uh, strategy first. Culture is kind of our sweet spot, you know, our voice and the authenticity of Mass Appeal is, I think, what sort of makes us proprietary, as you might say. Um, so that, that piece of the business is, um, you know, kind of the cash cow, if you want to say, because it's a high high margin business. We have great clients, Google being our largest client. Uh, we work with, you know, Showtime, obviously, on the marketing of Wu-Tang, but then we've worked with Game of Thrones for years, or excuse me, HBO for years on Game of Thrones. Um, and brands are coming to us to connect with the, the audience and the culture that Mass Appeal is very fortunate to kind of be living every single day. Um, and then our for, fourth business unit is kind of an amalgamation of a lot of things. It's our digital business. So it's all of our social channels, all of our platforms, and then it's our venture business. So in the venture bucket, we're building something in cannabis right now. We have something else going for children that we'll be announcing very, very soon. One of the things, I'm, I'm a father with two uh, young girls, and ever since I've um, been shopping for them, I haven't found products that necessarily speak to my desires, interests, and passions as a parent. So speaking to Nas, he has this incredible song called I Know You Can, which is a really, really inspirational song. Just sort of telling kids, like, you can be anything you want to be. You know, and the hook, you should Google the song out there if you haven't heard it. It's an incredible, really, really positive song. So I told him, I said, why isn't there a children's book? Like, the message behind the song is so beautiful, and it's just a really, like, it's a song that will stand the test of time. But it's just living as a song. There could be a, a children's book. There could be an educational set. Like, the song just has so many other places it can be manifested. For um, people that might not ever come across the song itself. Yeah, yeah. just as a message. The, the song is, you know, I know I can basically do what I want to do if I work hard at it. Um, sorry, Nas, for, for butchering, your, <laughs> butchering your song. Um but the, uh, the message behind the song is now being turned into the sort of inspiration for an entire children's business that Mass Appeal is launching. We'll be announcing it uh, June 11th. So, um, you know, we have different products we're doing. We're building, some of them are educational. Some of them are more just cool sort of novelty things for, for kids. But they're all using sort of youth music culture and hip hop as sort of a driving inspiration. Um, just putting more diversity into that market. There's not a lot of people who have sort of looked at the children's market and put that perspective, which is crazy, knowing that hip-hop, you know, is the number one streamed, you know, genre of music globally and the impact it's had. You're well into your second and third generation of, of listeners. Yeah. And, yeah. There's a lot of parents, myself being one of them, who grew up 
I didn't grow up on Led Zeppelin. I grew up on Run DMC or Nas or whatever. So really excited about that business. And again, the creative agency is sort of powering that business as a venture. So that's, that's how we're working. Um, it sounds. I mean, it sounds like you've got a lot of a lot of different balls in the air. How would you say, at this moment when there are more avenues to get content and to be innovative than ever before, how do you decide? How do you decide what your focus at any given time should be? I hire very good people who can uh, sort of manage my uh, my creative craziness. Because if it was up to me, we'd be doing all these things at once <laughs> um, we have a bandwidth like any small growing company so it's more about where the opportunity is that we see you know mass appeal is building a business based on IP we're not the service business is great but the three other buckets of mass appeal the content the music and the sort of digital adventures that's where we're going to build the long term value that will give mass appeal to the ability to ultimately scale into the global you know, kind of platform we want it to be for, you know, urban culture. So the, you know, like what can you do with the given hours in a day? So whether it's my head of strategy and operations or the finance or some of my other business partners, we just have to lay everything on the table and say, what can we do well? What can we do first? And what can we do at the, the quality level that we've sort of become accustomed to, to doing stuff? And you are, in the content arena, you are a, a little more traditional and you are making content and selling it to other platforms. You're not trying to draw people to a, a website or a, or a large social platform branded mass appeal. So up until last year, we did have an O&O. We had a traditional website. We were putting up you know, a few dozen pieces of content a week and we were much like any other website that you'd see out there. Um, that business, as you well know, last year had a really major correction with companies that were worth, you know, nine figures selling for pennies on the dollar. And right. I think we got out of that business at the right time. And we focused on what Massapil was really great at, which is, you know, premium storytelling. And for us, it wasn't about having it necessarily live on our channel. We wanted to live where the most people are going to experience it. So for us, it's more about ownership, creative control. So as long as we're co-owning the content and we have control over it, I want it to live at the best place possible. So for Wu-Tang, Showtime was the best place possible because they were going to get behind it in the way that, you know, we needed. Um, I don't know if that answers. Yeah. I mean, t tell us, Wu-Tang is obviously has had come out and, had, like, you know, pretty much universal acclaim. And, and you platformed that really interestingly. You took, a, you know, what was envisioned as a documentary TV series and had a big screening at Sundance and got got attention for it, but it was always envisioned as a television series, correct? So this has been like the holy grail story for us. I mean, <laughs> I, I can't tell you how much Wu-Tang had an impact on myself and, you know, most of the people who work at Mass Appeal, obviously, uh, were just incredibly influenced by what Wu-Tang meant back in the 90s, but still today. So it was a, it was a labor of love to get this done, just to, you know... Um, getting them all on board. I mean, people have been trying to make the Wu-Tang doc for, you know, 10, 10 years now at least. Surely, yeah. Um, so when we finally got everybody unified that, like, this was the time to tell their story, to us, the most important thing we could do was make it deserving of what these guys have created globally. So, yes, we didn't want it to be a one-hour special. We wanted it to be... There's just... there's You know, there's 10 voices in Wu-Tang. Right. So... I mean, there's a lot of people who've watched the four hours who are like, give me another four. 
You know, there's like, we didn't even get into the solo albums. We didn't get in. There's just so many pieces of Wu-Tang that you couldn't talk about in four hours. Um, Sounds like season two. Hey, showtime. Um, <laughs> but no, the the format that we ended up choosing, the four-part, felt really, really um, well-suited for the story. And we got, you know, lucky with Sundance. I mean, I think it was a great union in terms of them having this serialized sort of division of Suntance where they're premiering multi-part series um, you know getting Wu-Tang to come to Sundance was a big draw it's a little nerve-wracking because they hadn't seen the series they watched <laughs> it in the theater with the crowd for the first time uh, which was uh, you know a little intense for myself and Sasha not knowing how they'd react because you know if you haven't seen the series I encourage everybody to please watch it but when you do watch it and if you've seen it they're very vulnerable in it you know it's not like what you would think of with nine you know guys who live the very very hard life coming from Staten Island they really laid it all out there there wasn't a lot of um, you know ego it was just like well, this is our chance to tell our story and we want to make sure it's told properly and it, it's just to hear the maturity of these voices that have always been so strong and always had a lot to say but to, to hear them now as mature men reflecting on that time and their careers and where they are I think that's one of the things maybe to the more casual viewer that really stands out that really was so well captured in the piece yeah I mean Nas who um, you know we're very lucky to have as one of our business partners at Mass Appeal he, he said it so eloquently uh, he's like I would have killed killed them if I was in that group you know 25 years like I don't know how they didn't how they're still together I mean just imagine how many friends do you have that you've known for 25 years that you're still that close with 10 years later so it's amazing what they have uh, what they've achieved I mean Sasha says this you know he's like think about you know 9, 10 I always say 10 because ODB is no longer with us in, in terms of shooting the doc but I think about 10, 10 people who came from those circumstances who have achieved that level of success and fame I mean I can't think of 10 other people in the history of time that have sort of risen to that level of success coming from those circumstances. So it's just great that they're still together. They're touring. They're making money. They're still revered. We built a museum to them. One of the, one of the great parts about Wu-Tang, and this is one of the things that I think makes Mass Appeal so special, is that we didn't just produce the content. We put out a soundtrack. We put out a, a Wu-Tang original EP on our record label. Showtime hired us as the creative agency, so Mass Appeal designed the key art. We built an entire museum in partnership with Dolby called the Wooseum, mm -hmm. which uh, was an insane 20,000 square foot experience space where we recreated Riz's bedroom and we had a tribute room to ODB and all this incredible projection mapping and um, had this art gallery where Sess, this graffiti artist, just recreated the Wu-Tang logo on all these different iterations. So to us, it was about building like a, a universe to celebrate Wu-Tang, not just a piece of content. Did you finance the initial um, initial production, the initial hours that screened at Sundance? Did you finance those yourselves before, you had, before Showtime was on board? Um, we actually partnered with Endeavor Content. So we're represented by William Morris. We brought them. They actually helped package this, so they represent RZA. So about two years ago, Jad um, over there, who's one of our agents, was like, RZA is re ready to really tell the Wu-Tang story. And we'd been sniffing around the story, as I mentioned, for quite some time. But it never felt like the timing was right. So RZA took a meeting with Sasha. Sasha, as um, you may have seen in the doc, put Wu-Tang on the first magazine cover they ever had back in the 90s. 
So it was this really long, circular kind of relationship that, that came to fruition uh-huh. through the series. Uh, and we were about to take it out to the market. We were about to go shop it, just like you know any other project. Like, let's set up the pitches. And Endeavor content was just launching. And they said, nope, we're going to fund this one. We think this is too special of a project. So that kind of rechanged Massapeel's business model. Um, up until then, a lot of the projects we'd done had been more traditional, like we sell the content, whoever pays for it owns the copyright, we have some type of residual profit participation. You know, as we're building the brand, Wu-Tang was a sort of major change in how we look at Mass Appeal and our IP. So we co-own, um, you know, the Wu-Tang copyright with, with Endeavor and Wu-Tang. Wu-Tang has profits on it, Mass Appeal, so... It was a much better deal for Wu-Tang, obviously a much better deal for us. And the best part, forget the, the financial benefits of it, Endeavor really didn't get in our hands like a network. Like if we had sold it to Showtime, and I love Vinny, and he's been our biggest supporter from, from the jump, they would have wanted to see edits. There would have been notes. And even if they maybe weren't intrusive, the project was made on such an accelerated timetable, t- we just had to go. So the fact we didn't have all the trappings of a traditional network made it so that we could actually deliver Wu-Tang, you know, at the, at the quality we wanted. Um, you know, there's a lot of scrutiny right now in the marketplace of the relationship and the, you know, the, the financial and the business relationships between artists, representatives, talent agencies, and related production companies. You just described a very positive experience with Endeavor content. I mean, based on what your experience, would you do more with Endeavor content? Yeah, we're talking about more projects now. Um, you know, fortunately, after the success of Wu-Tang, we have a lot of people hitting us up and bringing us a lot of great IP. The thing about Wu-Tang that I think also was really great is that Showtime, if you notice, in any of the outdoor, the trailer, the Mass Appeal logo, sits side by side with Showtime. That was the first time that it ever happened in the history of Showtime. Was that negotiated? It was negotiated intensely. <laughs> um, but I think... When we finally sat down with Showtime and we were doing the deal, we explained to them that Mass Appeal brings a certain level of authenticity, we bring an audience, and having our brand, which was important to Wu-Tang, side by side with Showtime, and it wasn't everywhere, but it was in most of the key places, um, was actually going to add more credibility to the project. And, you know, we killed ourselves making this. We didn't make a lot of money on the production of Wu-Tang. It's more about the the value it's driving for our brand and, and the library content. So... Wu-Tang was a first for the business in a lot of ways. Just the business model, the branding. So now we've set sort of a new benchmark of how we want to you know, do deals in the future. And the response, it sounds like, um, from the creative community has been strong. Incredible. People, you know, Sasha's always been, uh, you know, a very sort of sought-after voice in urban culture and just this space, whether it was a journalist with the books he was writing or as, you know, obviously... Uh, you know, just a voice, but now as he's built his name as a director through through Mass Appeal, it started with a project Fresh Dressed, which Vinny, when he was at CNN, sort of supported. You're talking about Vinny Malhotra, who is the head of documentaries for Showtime. Exactly. Um, Vinny was the first to sort of step out and see Sasha's talent. We made that movie. It took us to Sundance. That was our first film, partnership with CNN. That film went on to become very successful. And then from there, Sasha was, he got the directing bug and you know, 10 projects later, he's got 10 more that he wants to do. So we're really lucky to have the support of, uh, you know, 
William Morris and people like Vinny and obviously Sasha's now set up where a lot of people want to have his brand and Massfield's brand. So feels good. You, d- you mentioned, of course, the importance of authenticity and the Mass Appeal brand was imp- that w- it was important that Mass Appeal be affiliated with the Wu Tang documentary in order to just to, to signal a kind of a, a perspective and a point of view in the in the production to the to the you know it was important that Mass Appeal have a have a logo presence in the documentary to signal to the sort of hardcore Wu Tang fan that this was coming from a somebody with a perspective to really tell this story. Yeah, trusted trusted voice. How is in in a business that is that that trades on the 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 strength of your creatives and the voice and and the authenticity that a more traditional media company, you know, a Warner Brothers or a Fox might would not bring wouldn't bring the same level to a project. How do you I guess how do you how do you stay on the cutting edge? That seems like a real a real challenge for companies as they start to grow and scale and work with work with brands and work in the you know in the working in you know dank comedy clubs and music venues. Like how, how do you balance the need to be you know uh, to be a profitable business, a successful business, working in a lot of different areas with keeping that sort of street cred that got you there. It's a, it's a daily daily conversation in the offices, uh, in our office. Um, you know, we're fortunate to have iconic artists like Anaz. We're doing a new album with De La Soul that's being half produced by DJ mm. Premier and half produced by Pete Rock. That's a name from the past. It, it is a name from the past. And, you know, we have incredibly established artists, whether it's, like I said, a De La, Anaz, whomever, who give us one perspective. And then we're also working with a lot of very young talent who give us a completely different perspective. So that balance, I think, keeps us feeling really connected to what's important and what raised us, but then also what's what's really now. Um, and then we're not we're not sprinting. We're we're going for the marathon, you know. So it's not like we take every opportunity that comes into our our path. We're you really have to evaluate. Yeah, we have to evaluate from a bandwidth, from a brand standpoint. So to us, it's not you know making money is obviously. You know, we're a business, and we have to do that for our shareholders and for ourselves. But I would rather have a business in five years that's got integrity and maybe has a little bit less money because we made the right decisions. Because I know in the long run, if we operate the business with that sort of ethos, we will stand the test of time. A lot of the businesses you know, last year that aren't here at the moment, they got caught up in the clickbait you know, kind of news cycle and it was just volume, go, 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 go. And they got these incredibly inflated valuations and, you know, the media business got very, very saturated with a lot of money and a lot of, uh, a lot of bad decisions, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, and fortunately there was a correction in that business. And I think the reason mass appeal stronger now than we ever have been is because we sort of stayed true. Like we never said, let's, Let's do the projects that can make us a ton of money today, but we're going to look back in five years and be regretting, like, oh, God, that's like a little blip on our on our timeline. Um, Wu-Tang something that, you know, for the rest of my life, I will be able to very proudly <laughs> say that I was part of making the Wu-Tang doc. So, uh, I mean, let me ask you kind of bluntly, do you see Vice Media and its tra- trajectory as a cautionary tale as you grow? Yeah, I mean, they're one of many cautionary tales. I mean, I think what they've built is 
beyond impressive. You know, as a business, we've only raised, you know, we did our first seed round when we bought Mass Appeal. Um, you know, in 2012, we raised a million dollars. In 2017, we raised $6 million. So we've raised $7 million in about seven years. And what we've built, in my opinion, is incredibly efficient and very, very differentiated in the market. You look at Vice, I don't know what they've raised, but it's, it's a billion plus dollars um, in a similar time period. And now they have a business that has all kinds of very well-documented issues. Um, they still have a robust business, and you know, hopefully Nancy can continue to get that business back on track, which I think she can. Um, it's less about any specific business. It's more about businesses that sort of got over their skis, as you might say. And um, I think a lot of these companies got caught up in valuations and all this stuff, and they lost like what made them want to get into business in the first place. So hopefully that's, that's not ever going to happen to us. And tell us, let's take a step back and, and remind us kind of the origin story. Mass Appeal started out in the mid-90s as a print, mag, or as a print fanzine. Yeah, it started right? out as a graffiti zine in 1996 by two guys named Patrick Halasic and Adrian Moeller. Mm-hmm. They were graffiti, uh, graffiti artists who just had a sort of passion. They built the brand from a graffiti magazine into a sort of culture publication that was focused on hip-hop, graffiti, just street culture, youth culture. And in the 90s, you know, 96 to basically 2008, when the brand kind of went dormant for a few years because one of the founders um, passed away, unfortunately. That was like the Bible of culture. You know, if you were somewhat cool and you wanted to stay in the know, there was a handful of other magazines, but Mass Appeal was like the one that everybody looked to. Like, we were sort of setting the trends. I can't even say we because I was just simply reading it at that point. (laughs) But, yeah, the brand was great when we were able to buy it and relaunch it because even though the brand had been dormant from 2008 to 2012, it hadn't been publishing it had so much equity in the name that when we decided to bring it back, all these people would come up to me and say, oh my God, it's so great that you and Sasha and Nas, you know, you're taking mass appeal, but honestly, I didn't even know it ever went out of business. You know, like it just felt like it was omnipresent. So you, Sasha, and Nas teamed. And, and a handful of other investors. A handful yeah, of other investors. Operators of the business. And you, so it, it was a basically dormant IP and you bought it from them and then you revived it as with this very content-focused strategy? So initially, I had a previous company named Decon. That company was a microcosm of what Mass Appeal has now grown into become. The company had a record label, it had a creative arm, and it had a production arm. And it was cool, but it was really less about IP ownership and more about service. So that was, you know, music videos, it was documentaries, it was putting out albums from, like, my favorite you know, backpack hip-hop artist, but that I absolutely loved, and then ultimately graduating to put out, you know, a Pusha T or a Jurassic 5. But in the in the early days, you know, we were working with some of the golden era hip-hop artists that I just idolized, you know, whether it's AC Alone or, you know, Hieroglyphics or whomever. Um, but the business wasn't really building any value. It was more about just keeping, keeping me really busy and, and doing a lot of cool stuff that I was proud of. When we had the opportunity to buy Mass Appeal, it kind of took all the learnings that we had at Decon and gave us a, give a face to the business because Decon was more behind the scenes and Mass Appeal became more of a consumer brand. So very quickly, Mass Appeal went from being a dormant, what was historically just a magazine, to having an agency, having a record label, having a production arm. Um, 
so yeah, it was. You and, know. and you funded your growth with it sounds like <clears throat> relatively little investment money. You were kind of growing on your own steam. Is that fair to say? Yeah, we've been. You know, we probably would have been benefited to raise. You know, this Series A. You know, a few years earlier, we probably could have gotten a little further along, but. You know, when you're doing as many things as we do at Mass Appeal every day, you know, if we had just wanted to be a record label or just wanted to be a content studio or, you know, an agency, we could have built one of those businesses pretty scaled, probably with, with focused investment. But I have a bigger vision for Mass Appeal and as, as does Sasha of this global, uh, you know, global brand that's really like the voice of urban culture. So for us, it was like baby steps in a lot of places at once and proving the model. So when we got the Series A, it just turbocharged, you know, everything. Universal's been a phenomenal partner. Um, they're funding a lot of content for us right now. They obviously gave us the record label deal. Um, so, yeah, that was a pivotal moment for the company. Do you put out physical physical recordings, or is it a, is it a strictly a digital release? Oh, yeah, I can send you a box of vinyl right now. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I am a big, that was one of my, uh, I don't want to say saddest moments of mass appeal, but... You know, the magazine's a very, very hard business. We don't have a sales staff. Mass Appeal's whole business, we're, we're hiring one at the moment. But up until recently, our whole business has been word of mouth and repeat business. So when you have a magazine that is not heavily circulated, you know, even if you have low five-digit circulation, you, you know, it's not huge. Ads are not really paying for, you know, the production. The they're, not the yeah, they're not paying the free. They're not paying for it. It's a big business card, basically. Um, and it was a beautiful business card. But about a year ago, we put a temporary pause. I'm not saying Mass Appeal won't publish again, but we had things in front of us that felt more oppor- more like a real opportunity, whether it was the Wu-Tangs of the world or building the record label. Um, but yes, I love physical stuff personally. I'm, I am a, a big proponent of making things, and I love the fact that vinyl is having a huge resurgence right now. It's amazing to me to go into Urban Outfitters or... You know, I get to travel quite often for, for work, and I go into record stores in, in random parts of the world, and to see the vinyl section, like, exploding is just so exciting. And, you know, it's amazing. Like, when we put out a DJ Shadow album or a Run the Jewels or a Nas, these artists have these cult, incredibly, incredibly loyal fan bases that, you know, you can make five, ten thousand of these pretty elaborate bundles, you know, and people will go clamoring for it. Um, so yes, we're still, you know, Nas is putting out Lost Tapes 2 uh, in the near future, which is a project that's been a long time in the works. And we're working on a big clothing collection with a very, very exciting, like, fashion brand. I wouldn't even call them streetwear. There's something there's something different than that. Um, we're building a whole experience space. We're, we're hiding songs with brands and different products. We have all these different things we're doing. Um, but a lot of it is giving people a, a real tangible experience. You know, digital and streaming will continue to drive the business, but for those, you know, twenty-five, fifty thousand people that buy the vinyl, they get to see the whole experience: the photography, the liner notes, the the graphic design, mm-hmm. the the sonic quality of it. Um, I hope that doesn't ever go away. Personally, how do you um, do? You do much in the way of of research focus groups. How do you keep tabs on what is you know the cutting edge in the in this? in this sort of culture that is known for its fast changing, you know, there's a new artist, a new, a new sound, a new, a new sense of the vanguard, you know, every couple of months, every couple of weeks. Like I, I'm still 
trying to get a sense of like how you how you keep tabs on the culture that you're trying to reflect. Um, we're fortunate to have a very young, vibrant staff, so we have a lot of voices in the office. Um, you know, we have our upper management. There's not a ton of middlemen. There's there's really hardworking, connected young people who feed us a lot of their energy and their perspectives. Um, but yeah, for for example, for like the kids brand that we're launching, we're doing a whole focus group next week. We're bringing in forty or fifty people. Some of them are super uber cool, you know, the Instagram influencer parents, and some of them are just people that we love and respect their opinion. So yeah, we definitely crowdsource. We definitely bring in other perspectives. But I think we give enough autonomy and uh, support to sort of the younger staff, where if they think we're making a decision that doesn't feel representative of Mass Appeal, they'll raise their hand and be like, I don't think that's cool. You know, whether we decide to follow their advice or not, but yeah. You have that, you have that in-house vote. Yeah, they in-house vote. They'll, they'll, uh, they'll slap our wrist. <laughs> um, let me ask you, when you were a college student reading Mass Appeal mag- print magazine, did you ever imagine yourself in the position of a CEO? How did you get on the entrepreneur track? I definitely always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Both my parents were entrepreneurs, so I think it was in my blood. Um, I actually went to restaurant management school, so I had a whole different... I was in culinary school. I was at at NYU for hospitality, tourism, management. So when I tell people I went to NYU now, they assume it was Tisch for film school. (laughs) And I'm like, no, I was in culinary school. I was the kid coming back from culinary school at 11 o'clock at night to the dorm rooms and the... You know, I was the, the, the best kid on the floor because I'd bring all the food from uh, my cooking class um, to feed all my stone friends. <laughs> um, but, no, I always wanted to have my own business. I always had ideas. I always was heavily influenced by hip-hop. I never saw the Mass Appeal thing coming. But very quickly out of college, I started working with some of my favorite artists, whether it was, you know, Pharrell or whomever. Um, I got very lucky in terms of just meeting people. And, you know, you do good work. It was a smaller world back then, so like, oh, this 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 project was dope. You should hit up Peter or whatever. Um, but no, the Massville thing when it came to fruition was so immediate and fast. It moved so quickly because I feel like it was just sort of one of those things that sort of meant to happen. Um, but no, but I still have a lot of my old Massapils. So collector's items. Collector's items. I am sure. Well, Peter, thank you so much for coming and talking to us about your company. We'll be definitely be paying attention to all your many plates that are spinning in the air and uh, and good luck to you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Strictly Business. 